We are up and running on episode three of The Rundown. Yes, this is the third instalment in our special season of programmes coming to you from Milan. Our roving Monocle 24 team have been bringing you all the best from Salone del Mobile this week. We'll be crossing to them in just a moment so they can continue to do just that. I'm your host, Robert Bound. Every day on the programme, we'll take you on a guided tour of some of Milan's best running routes. Today, we have a fast but far from furious three and a half kilometre circuit for you. We'll be taking the occasional very well-earned breather en route to sample the culture and cuisine on offer and we'll hear from some leading lights and design out around the fair and at Nike Space on Via Orobia. They'll all be chatting with the Rundown team. Adjust your sweatbands, turn your radio up and follow me on the Rundown right here on Monocle 24. Before we break into a run around Central Storico, however, let's cross over to our Monocle 24 Milan team, led by Marcus Hippie, for all the stories you need to know there today. Take it away, Marcus. Thank you, Rob, and welcome back to Milan for day three of our special coverage of Salone and this third edition of The Rundown. And here at Nike's exhibition space, I'm joined by Monocle's editor-in-chief, Tyler Brule. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. So you have, I assume you have recovered from that run now you had. Yeah, I'm, I've recovered from the run <laughs> I, I, and I missed uh, this other amazing thing which they did here, which was uh, all with, with treadmills, uh, which, which was quite remarkable. Um, and, and sadly, uh, I was unable to, of course, uh, do, do the second run. But uh, anyway, we had, of course, uh, other people out uh, managing and, and looking after it, which is good. Well, you've been here in Milan for a few <clears> days now. What would you pick as your favorite so far? What, what has got you excited? Well, we spent um, a bit of time out at the at the Fiera, of course, at the, at the main um, exhibition site. Uh, one of the most interesting uh, things I saw, which is not attached to a, a big designer name, uh, has just been a wonderful re-edition. Uh, so I was out visiting Molteni, and they have done the most exquisite chest of drawers. Now, Marcus, if you've ever tried to organize your, your socks and, and underwear, and maybe you do it in a beautiful finished fashion. Actually, I love may, it. It's quite, may, it's quite relaxing maybe, sometimes. It is, actually. It's very therapeutic doing your socks and underwear. But um, And this is, they've come up with really what you would want as probably the perfect pair of of, of drawers to have you know either side of your bed or, or maybe just or, or one just one of them uh, freestanding um, in a bedroom and what was great though it was it, it recalls the very early days of, of Multaney when when they were there it was their first move into to doing modern furniture uh, and this was a project from the early 1960s uh, which which was great and you know they there's a number of other things uh, that that they also had but th- this to me of, of so many of the brands I saw I just like the fact that Someone just went for the very simple idea of just going back deep into the archive and just bringing out something which was very, very relevant for today. When you see, when you look at what's going on here at Saloni, I quite like the way you emph- emphasize simplicity and simple thinking. Do you think people sometimes make things way too complicated? Listen, you can walk around the fair and uh, the amount of money, and I also sometimes think the amount of waste as well, uh, just spent on some of these uh, stands is is remarkable. Uh, and uh, and there's so much is, is really overdone. And oftentimes, you know, in the midst of all of the noise and the crush of people and the wheelie suitcases running over your toes, it's the, it's the stands uh, and the exhibitions uh, where there's a singularity and and there is a, a real simplicity uh, to the offer, which really which stands out. So uh, I think and and one you know one company which comes to mind uh, from Denmark uh, 
is is Carl Hansen um, and Sons. Uh, they had some some beautiful reeditions of some Wegener pieces, uh, and that was uh, was something else uh, which which I saw. So I would I would probably point to sort of my my current highlights. Uh, I, w I was most impressed uh, you know, so far by this Multani reedition, and again, Hans Wegener, uh, of course, you know, a, 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 a classic amongst uh, amongst modernists, uh, and also just nice to see that again they've dipped into to the archives um, as well. I should probably citing some new designers, but uh, but maybe I can do that in another edition. That sounds good. Thank you, Tyler. Well, earlier today here at Nike's exhibition space on Via Orobia, I met some of the brand's top designers. Let's hear now from Christine Burke. She's the global apparel design director for Nike Training. I spoke with her about Nike's design principles and why you sometimes need the craziest, most imaginative open collaborations. The one thing that we have um, in our arsenal at Nike is that we get to work with some of the world's best athletes. So I think if there's an idea, I think it really starts with the athlete. It's all about solving problems. So this idea about this exhibition is around, um, you know, pushing the boundaries with like form and function. So if we start there, I think the, the one thing we can do is if we address that, I think that's the right way to go. If we work with the athletes, gain their insights, it's all about um, getting rid of distractions in order to help them to maximize their potential. And if we go through that lens, I think that really helps us at Nike to push the boundaries where it matters most. You referred to this Nike exhibition that's taking place here at Saloni. We are basically at the exhibition space. The Nature of Motion is the name, and Nike has invited some designers to explore the theme of the Nature of Motion. What we see over here, some of these ideas are quite abstract, and I could imagine that that is also something you need when you think of the future of Nike and mm -hmm. when you think of you know future designs. You know these products you're working with; they don't need to be for next year. You probably have a longer time frame. Absolutely, and I think the the key to that is you know it's about experiences, it's about finding future learnings, and the beauty of bringing these artists together is that you know through collaboration, we're actually going to learn a few things that we never learned before, and I think that's the power of. Can you specify what you would have? learned from these collaborations yeah. here in Milan now? I mean, I mean, the specifics, I can't get into specifics, but I think, you know, take, um, you know, Max Lamb, he's a great artist, take Greg Lynn. They're all about forming function. And I think even though we bring our own tools and our own insights, I think there's some really unique approaches that the designers take that could help progress our learning at Nike. And I think um, there's no right or wrong answer. I just think it's, it's about the experiences that we gain from collaborating with those artists along the way so it makes our learnings a lot more richer and and it therefore deeper in the way that we can understand form and function from a different mm -hmm. perspective and it's also interesting that you are here at Saloni one could easily think that a sports brand is quite far away from yeah. what normally happens at a furniture fair that's true I mean yeah and the thing is is yes it's about um, it is about furniture, but I think what we wanted to do, it's about energy. I think it's about partnership, collaboration. It's about energy in terms of, of, of function and movement. But also what we wanted to do is be a bit more reverent and inject some energy of sport into this atmosphere of Milan. I think that's a, a really nice approach for us being, you know, a sportswear company. And what kind of other plans do you have then? You are here at Saloni, but yeah. like when, you, when you look at different kind of, how to surprise the design audience? Um, I mean, we're, we're always full of surprises at Nike, but I think the thing is that we want to make sure that we leave a legacy here. For, you know, and there's a lot of designers, a lot of students coming through, and 
we kind of want to share with them kind of our process. So what kind of legacy would you like to leave in Milan? I think it's all about, you know, pushing the boundaries. It's about open collaboration. It doesn't matter where you come from. I think it doesn't matter what genre or field you're in or what kind of application or medium. But it's really around the power of collaboration and innovation. I think that's the, the thing that we we want to leave. I think Nike were based on the company Brownie Innovation. We want to make sure that we get that across in Milan. That was Christine Berg, Global Apparel Design Director for Nike Training. Now it's back to Robert Bound in the London studio. He's going to take you through today's running route. We're headed for Centro Storico and Giardini Puplici. Thanks, Marcus, and we'll have some more from our Salone team in the Nike space at Via Orobia later on in the program. Time for a gear shift now as we head out into Milan for our third daily running guide. If you need a fast-paced, high-octane start to your day in Milan for Salone, then Route 3 around Central Storico is just what Dr. Design ordered. Starting at Milan's Cathedral, you pass La Scala Opera House and traverse downtown to the city's oldest park, Giardini Pubblici. A lap around the gardens covers about two kilometers and is a popular circuit to get the blood pumping in the morning. A delight for lovers of green space then. But wandering around the surrounding streets offers glimpses of the design capital's urban decor, which is just as compelling in its own way. It's marked not only by varying styles of architecture, but by a sea of signage, from shop signs to business logos to wayfinding for public transport. Some of the most prominent and long-standing symbols here bear the mark of Bob Norder, a Dutch-born designer who called Milan home for over half a century until his death in 2010. Norder had an illustrious career winning Italy's prestigious Compasso d'Oro design prize for his signage for the Milan subway system, something you'll spot on Route 3 when you pass the metro stations on the red line. Italian art director Mario Piazza was a curator on a recent book about Norda's work and legacy, so let's hear from him now. Bob Norda is recognized by everyone as a great Milanese graphic designer. The reality is that like many other Milanese graphic designers who founded the Milanese school, he was in fact foreign. Bob was from the Netherlands and he'd gone to a very serious high-quality school with a setup like Bauhaus and De Stiel. Fascinated by the idea of going away from the Netherlands to look for a job, he was uncertain as to whether to go to the United States or to Milan in the end, choosing Milan. He arrived there and found himself in a community of foreign people who stayed in Milan because there indeed was a cultural liveliness in the city, propelled towards modernity, design and research. One of these meetings led to a very, very positive start to his career because he immediately became one of Pirelli's graphic consultants. For Norda, Prelli was the beginning of a great experience in Italy. Prelli at the time made tyres, like they still do now, but also many other things, everything connected to rubber, from sofas to mattresses to gloves for washing up. He did lots for them. But the one thing where there was consonance of vision was to work on the fact that the name of the company itself could become the element of the product that would be recognized. There are some posters where only Pirelli, Fasta is written, but the word Pirelli is calendared as if it were a tire. This work was done many times. For example, a black crown with Pirelli, Pirelli, Pirelli written inside it gave the impression of matter, of the physicality of the product. This thing of seeing the brand turn into an object, becoming the product that the consumer recognizes, was one of Norda's great intuitions letting us see the idea of movement, letting us see the image of the product 
and at the same time saying this is Pirelli. Del movimento, farci vedere l'immagine del prodotto, nello stesso tempo dire questo è Pirelli. In Bob's book, he dedicates a great part to this experience because to him, apart from winning the Golden Compass, the Compasso d'Oro, it was a great opportunity and also an experimenting ground. He had this idea to allow all things thought up by architects to become a kind of line which guided the passenger, the user of the vehicle, from the city surface to the underground of the metro. This line was modular. It became the handrail, it became all signage. But mainly, Nora's very intelligent idea was to think that the flow of reading on vehicles creates difficulties in understanding what station you've arrived in, especially on the metro, which has a very high incidence of number of stations compared to regular train. So his idea was to draw this continuous red line on the platform, a double level, one for usage information, enter and exit to the station, and the other to recognize the station, where the name would be repeated at intervals. This greatly helped usability on the metro. Questo favoriva tantissimo no, l'uso del mezzo. Now, for those looking to cool down after finishing off their Route 3 at the public gardens, we'd recommend a quick stroll over to Villa Necchi. Tucked away in a quiet side street, the 1930s modernist villa is the work of Milanese architect Piero Portalupi and was built for a local industrious family on a plot of green right in the middle of downtown. Today the house belongs to FI, Italy's national trust, and is part of a network of house museums in the city where guided tours give visitors a glimpse into the chic lifestyle once enjoyed by the owners. Museum guide Alyssa Perotti gives us a sneak peek into this remarkable Milanese residence. Welcome. We are here in the Villa Necchi Campiglio, in the heart of the city. This villa is um, a mansion that was built between 1932 and 1935 by the architect Piero Portaluppi, one of the leading architects of that period. The villa was built for a family of three people, the Necchi Campiglio family. They were industrialists. This villa represents something that is rather unique because um, it has the characteristics of a a very luxurious uh, countryside villa and uh, you can hear the sound of the water because here in the garden we have a swimming pool. It was the first swimming pool, private swimming pool in the city. The water was heated and was recycled. And then in the back we have a tennis court. The villa is quite big. It is on four floors and each floor is about 500 square meters and represents a special style of architecture for private houses here in Milano. The style of Portaluppi, when Portaluppi built this villa, is very simple without any architectural ornaments, but is very rich. The feeling is that we are in a very luxurious house. Also here on the second floor we have a beautiful uh, original uh, floors made up of walnut and white oak. 
the sound that you hear is the sound of the sliding doors that characterize the ground floor of this house. Most of them are in glass, so that the enormous rooms, like the reception room, the library, and the veranda, they are visually connected even when the rooms are acoustically separated. The villa, even if it was built in the 30s, still nowadays has appeal on everybody, looks very modern, still looks like a, a villa where everybody could live and it has become an attraction for designers, architects, we get visitors from everywhere in the world and it has become a legacy from Portaluppi and represents one of the most visited features in this city. Now staying in the neighbourhood of Porta Venezia, just behind the public gardens where so many joggers love to congregate, you can find Via Panfilo Castaldi, a street that has become something of a gourmet ghetto of late with new restaurants that are catering for all tastes, vegetarians, wine lovers and more. At Björk, owner Giuliana Rosset has transformed her love for all things Nordic into a bijou bistro where clients can nibble on Scandinavian fare in a cleverly designed space that blends the best of Northern Europe with a sprinkle of Italian craftsmanship. Let's head in. So we were going a lot of time to Stockholm and Copenhagen to buy in very important uh, by Bukowski, for example. And uh, in the meantime, I was fascinated by the design of Scandinavia and of so nice food of a new Nordic cuisine, which was growing in these years. At the moment, there was uh, Noma in Copenhagen, which was very popular and uh, it was uh, the best restaurant in the world, I think, for the second and third year. And this fascinated me a lot. The menu we do in Milano is very interesting because it's a mix of a traditional uh, Swedish cuisine and uh, the new Nordic cuisine. The new Nordic cuisine uh, is very inspiring because it's coming from the foraging in the forest, uh, so using a lot of uh, berries and a lot of herbs from uh, the forest. And we use also very nice technical, as uh, we cure food with smoke, we use low temperature vacuum uh, uh, cooking, and this is uh, really very tasty, but in the meantime very healthy. From the classic and traditional, we have, of course, the gravel eggs and uh, the earrings, marinated earrings, and the skagen toast, which are very classic and very tasty. But we also have a very nice place, uh, plates uh, with elk, tartare of reindeer, and uh, very nice dessert, which are really very particular because uh, the Nordic dessert have always a part of sweet and of part of salt, which is very interesting. And, uh, from the Danish tradition, we have really a very good quality of smørbrød. Smørbrød is a, is a very nice open-faced sandwich from the Danish tradition. Smør is butter, brød is bread, and it's made with our own made bread and butter with uh, herrings, with salmon, with chicken, with uh, many very nice uh, uh, tastes. We choose Milano to make Bjork because Milano is a, a so important capital about design and, pers- and the people can appreciate this kind of so nice uh, Nordic atmosphere that we can propose to. 
And that is Route 3 for you here on The Rundown. Let's recap. Route 3 is a short and sweet 3.5 kilometers. Early mornings are the best time to tackle this route, so don't hang about. The route highlight is as good for your cultural edification as it is for your muscles. Head up the 200-odd steps of the Duomo to the cathedral's rooftop for views of the Alps. Today's Nike Plus Run Club tip, get a boost at Mantra Raw. There's no life advice on offer, but their cold-pressed juices will certainly inspire you onto greater things. And to run further, leave the gardens and take Via Fate Bene Fratelli, which runs next to the San Marco Church and leads to Parco Sempione. On tomorrow's episode of The Rundown, Route 4, around Porta Nuova City Life, a pacey 5k past the city's newest skyscrapers will ensure your spirits soar likewise as you sprint. Today's edition of The Rundown continues with Monocle's team in Milan. We'll hear what's in store at Salone today and find out who's dropped in to meet the team. Keep up at the back! You're on the rundown here on Monocle 24 with me, Robert Bound. It's a quick pause for a lace tie and a fresh singlet from me now. A man who excels at sports, practically perspiration-free, whatever garment he's wearing. That's Marcus Hippie. Let's rejoin him now. Thank you, Rob. Quite frankly, I never thought we would be talking about my sweating on radio. Anyhow, one of the designers Nike has collaborated here at their exhibition is London-based Italian designer Martina Gampa. His creation has been drawing a lot of attention as it is a drum set made out of Nike's technical textiles. A bit surprising considering that Martino is a trained furniture maker. Let's hear Martino explain his creation. The idea was to um, animate uh, the motion and um, I was interested in the idea of rhythm, Nike rhythm, running, you know, emotion, and uh, primarily wanted to create a drum set and drums that will be used on the streets and there'll be people, people running and drumming. That didn't quite happen, but uh, I still made the drum set and um, I used the flyknit technology, basically knitting technology that Nike developed for their shoes, and I used that as a as a drum um, skin. So creates a particular sound. It's How does it work, by the way? How well does it work as a drum skin? It it works almost as good as a normal normal drum skin, <laughs> but it's, it suddenly softens the, the sound. So mm. it's actually interesting to play in a, in a small environment, you know, in a small gig, where it's non amplified gig because uh, you lot you lot more um, the softer sound out of it. And the rebound is different as well because it's it's a softer material. So I've been working with a couple of musicians to understand what you know what the sound sounds like and what it could become. Yeah, it's undoubtedly healthy for designers to be challenged different ways. And I can imagine you haven't done anything like this before. What were the main lessons you learned? The main things that may be beneficial for you in the future? I think is. Um, especially with a client like Nike, where there is so many amazing you know, technologies available to, to push them, to push yourself, and to not be kind of scared to go down different avenues, you know, like drums and Nike doesn't really go together at all. But then if you keep pushing different, different parts of it, you actually realize there's a big connection, you know, of um, sound, rhythm and motion and people, you know, using running and, and sports and so on. So, yeah, sometimes you have to push yourself and push the, that, that, that point. The people that um, give you the opportunity to, to to create these projects, and uh, yeah, 
living in London myself, I know that there is this weird London illusion you easily get. You think that everything is happening there. How, how important is it for you to travel and, for example, come to Milan when Saloni takes place here? I think it's very important. I think uh, Milan has uh, always been somehow an important place for design. It maybe had lost a little bit in the 90s uh, when I moved away from Milan. To oh, yeah, obviously. That so I moved away time. from Milan to, to London. <laughs> But I think it uh, regained a lot of a lot of uh, interesting parts of it, and I think um, the city has really, really changed in the last uh, five years. I think, and it's uh, kind of again, it's a place where there's a, young, a lot of young people coming to because it's a lot more affordable in London, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more space. And I think, um, yeah, it's becoming again a place that a destination you know, for design, rather than um, just a place you go. For fair, you know, people mm. are also coming here, and I think that's good for the city. I think. And just finally, before I let you go, what is going to happen to that drum set? I could imagine that there would be many, many people over here who would like to, you know, get a chance of um, taking that set with them back home. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing with uh, with a drummer in London who played for the Air Band. Ah. So we're going to try to take it back to London and uh, actually record the sound because we're going to make some samplers and uh, potentially use it for. Uh, for a composer friend who's going to be hopefully sampling something with those sounds. So I think I would like to, like to continue traveling in the sense of, uh, of, the, of the rhythm and the, and the sound. And who knows, maybe it goes to, uh, to Rio for the Olympics. I don't know. It kind of works. Samba and drumming and Rio and Nike and rhythm. I think it could be interesting. That was Italian designer Martin Gamba, whose drum set can be seen here at Noiki's exhibition on Via Orobia. We'll be back with Rob next. We're racing to the end of today's show at world record pace. So before we pose garlanded alongside the clock, there's just time to ruminate and reflect on the best in design. We're running through some timeless design picks from Monocle's editors on the programme. Today it's the turn of Monocle's design and edits editor Josh Fennett, who talks tools, little books that sum up all that is good about design. I can't tell if it's me trying to be clever or me interpreting perhaps what we've been asked to do a little differently, but my object is actually two objects, but it's also what these objects kind of represent. So they're two uh, very small paperback-style books, uh, both named Tools, with a capital L and a capital T. They're these kind of zany little offshoots of a magazine called Huge, which is a Tokyo-based publication about which, I'll be honest, I know very, very little. They come out once a year, and basically one of them is uh, Tools 2012, and one of them is Tools 2011. They're each about 300 objects, and just to give listeners a sense of the range of what's inside, it's everything from portable radios to axes to coffee drippers to radiometers to dog leads to birdhouses, telescopes, flower planters. And these little annuals are bizarre. They're the kind of tools which only a specialist would actually need. And there's something beautiful in amassing all of that acquired wisdom about what good product design is. You know, a pen pot is a pen pot is a pen pot, but actually you you really want it on your desk because it means something to you, because it feels a certain way, because it's the right height, it's the right depth, it's the right weight. And for their zaniness, uh, you know, I really appreciate them, both as a feat of editorial design, a feat of research, uh, but also maybe in their telling, they tell us something about design itself and what good design is. (laughs) 
And that's it. We've crossed the line on Thursday's edition of The Rundown. More from me and from Monocle's Milan crew tomorrow and Saturday right here on Monocle 24. Tomorrow I'll be guiding you around the fourth of our city running routes and we'll be hearing from a man who knows design, publishing, architecture and Milanese city governance inside out. That's Stefano Boeri. Today's show was produced by Tom Edwards and Toby Hammond who's also running the OB desk and doing the editing as well. Busy man. Special thanks to Marcus Hippie of course and to Monocle's correspondent in Milan, Ivan Carvalho. I've been Robert Bounds. Thank you very much for tuning in and happy running. <laughs>